0: Good morning. My name is Kate. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Jubilee, and I am excited. Are you excited for this morning? Yeah. You awake? Good, because I came with a word for you. We're currently in the middle or finishing up, wrapping up a series on 2 Timothy, and I hope you've gained a lot from this. I love going and digging into um books of the Bible right like really studying it not necessarily that topical kind of stuff but I like this is this is where I just come alive these are my favorite kind of series to get into and to just understand the application of oh that wasn't just a really great thing that was being written to the church 2,000 years ago this is something really important for us to understand in our life today right. So last week if you didn't listen Pastor Daniel did an incredible job really unpacking I don't is he in here Daniel He's probably not, he's probably out counting, but he did an amazing job. And if you didn't have a chance to listen to it, go ahead and go back and listen, because it was powerful and he just really unfolded for us what um, chapter four is about. But I want to jump back and I want to um, study really out today uh, chapter three in 2 Timothy and what is being written to us in that. And we find, I, I'm, we're going to mainly focus on verse seven and eight today, which is this. Always learning, yet never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Always learning, yet never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so do these people oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and worthless concerning the faith. Does this not sound so unbelievably familiar to the world we're living in right now? Right? There's this, I, 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 you know, probably even 30 years ago, you could have read this and been like, yeah, we know, we're, we're able to learn, we're able to understand. But that little thing that you're holding, that we scan to get all information that we need, right, is in our palm. I was thinking, I went to the Rockies last night. Go Rockies. Go abs. Actually, there was a, yes! You know, I thought I escaped caring about sports my entire life, and then God gave me three boys. And now we're like wrapped deep into sports. Like I know everything about all, at least Colorado. I know all the Colorado sports, but the whole bar at the Rockies was filled with Avs fans. I'm like, why are you here? And they're not even watching the game. They are inside watching the Avs, so go Avs, right? they're going to make it to the Stanley. But I was thinking as I'm at the Rockies, the only thing I needed to bring was my phone. It had my ticket on it. It had my money on it. It had all information. I'm sitting there watching the Rockies, Googling the Av score. Everything you need, all information is at your fingertips, right? In fact, my dad and I, I was joking and I was telling him, I can remember one year of school when I was in first grade where we actually had to go to the library and get books to, like, learn things, and he was just appalled at me. I'm like, Dad, I don't even know. My kids ask to go to the library all the time, and I have to ask the librarian every time where the books are at. Like, I did not learn the Dewey Decimal System, none of it. We just, they have the pictures now for you in the kids' section, right? Like, strawberry shortcake, Got it. That's what my daughter's going to like. And past that, it's my phone, right? We live in this world. Anything you want, you could become a doctor by the end of the day. You want to be an expert in something? You can know all about it, good and bad. There's this wonderful blessing with knowing. I think I love to learn. And I am constantly, in fact, you guys get on your, if you have the, which I don't know, Microsoft, if they do this, but iPhone, right? They give you the update of how much time weekly you spend on your phone. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want you to raise your hand if it's more than three hours. Just, mm-hmm. More than four hours? Yeah, I was at over five hours this week. What am I doing? Like, where is that time? I don't even know. Reading, I guess. <laughs> uh, just. But you don't even recognize, right, this con- constant flow of information that is coming at you, that you are able to access, that you are able to gain, and constantly learning, but here's that second part to it. Never able to come to the knowledge of truth. And we live in this world where truth has completely become this relative thing. In fact, I, was, I watched a documentary this week with my husband. And in it, this guy is interviewing, kind of trying to get at, at truth in some type of way. Um, and he asks this person on the street, well, if I say you don't exist then do you exist? And she goes, no, if that's your truth. And I'm like, JJ and I just look at each other, like how, like how is this real? And we laugh, like it's, it's laughable and yet it's not because this is really the world we're living in. Where if you can say like, that's your truth, like that's, that's your truth and that's enough for people, right? Like your truth doesn't have to be my truth and they don't have to align, they're both true. But that, that doesn't, that's not real, that's not true. <laughs> right there's this there's this actual truth that we should be gaining and we live in a world where you can learn anything you want to learn and know anything you want to know and yet we're falling short of understanding the truth that we should be seeking not your truth the truth And so I want to really unravel that today and unpack what is truth, right? Because we live in a world, I I think it's so important to be able to face these matters that are not just applicable, right, a long time ago, but this is something you're being faced with today. This is something, if you are not experiencing this, I can promise you, your children are experiencing this right now. And how do you face that? And how do you talk about these things? And how do you unpack that? And how do you begin to understand this? And so I really want to dive into that question of what truth is. What is the truth? How do we live that? How do we live in that idea and inside that knowledge? So the first thing that truth is, is this, the Bible is truth. Your Bible that you hold or that you have on your phone, it is truth. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, we jump down, right, in this chapter of 2 Timothy, and it says this. What scripture? All scripture. Not some scripture, not most scripture, not the parts you like of scripture. All scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for restoration, and for training in righteousness. Isn't that interesting? We have to be trained in righteousness. It's not something that comes naturally to us. It's not something that just automatically happens. All scripture is inspired by God for these things, to be used in these things, to teach us and to help us be corrected. You know, sometimes we just like to think the Bible's to make us feel really good and warm and cuddly inside and that is not always what the Bible is there to do. The Bible sharpens you. The Bible is what highlights where you fall short. And thank God for that because it's the recognition of the Savior that you need. So that the person belonging to God may be capable, fully equipped for every good deed. The whole Bible, church, is inspired by God. And I think we live in this time and in this era that there are a lot of Christians that I don't think agree with that. And they have decided to make their own religion and their own Bible and their own ideology. I find it really interesting, a lot of times, right, these really big up Christian people are asked these questions, well, well, what do you think of this in the Bible? You know, these interviews, have you seen these, right? Like, how do you, what do you feel about this? And I find that irritating almost because does it really matter what I think about what God has told me to do, right? That's, that, I'm making my information. I'm making my own opinion. I'm making my own thoughts at the same level of this God-inspired thing that I've been given. And there are things that I don't, right? There are things that I read and I don't understand. And I, I have to really study out and really understand. But church, here's the thing. You don't hold the Bible up to your information, to the knowledge that you have. You hold the knowledge up to the Bible. And if they don't correspond, if they're not in agreement, what's the thing that you're going to believe in? What's the thing that you're going to put your trust in? You're going to put your faith in. You're going to know. What's the thing that you believe is true? You don't get to just pick and choose the things you want to have be true. It's either all true, church, or none of it's true. It's either all true or none of it's true. I think, you know... It's, I, I equate it to this. I struggle with fear. I've talked about this. Um, this, is just, this, is my, this is like the, the go-to tactic from the enemy in my life is I just struggle with fear. And it's random things at random times. And, you know, there's been a season where I just, I, I, I think I have everything wrong with me. Like I'm just convinced I have this thing. Like I hear something on TV and I have now attached. I'm like, I've had that symptom. I've had that. I I know. I am that person. I need to go to the doctor. JJ's like, please don't go to the doctor. Please don't do that. Please don't waste our money. I'm like, well, I one time in fifth grade had this mark appear on my arm, and now I think it is telling me that I have X, Y, and Z. I mean, constantly. I'm asking him, do you think I have this? My heart sometimes beats fast. What do you think that is? He's like, I don't, you just exercised? You just worked out? I don't know. And But here's the thing, right? I can latch on to, I have, let's say, high blood pressure, okay? I don't, but I sometimes, I convince myself, right? Let's say that's what it is. I have high blood pressure. And so then what I do is I look for all these little symptoms that could correlate to that thing. And I think sometimes this is what people do with the Bible. This is how we use the Bible. We gain an idea that we believe in, an opinion that we have, or a thought that we think is true and what we do is we take the bible and we try to find verses that line up with our thought or our opinion have you met these people right this is all over the place this is well I believe this and look like uh God tells us to love and look at we're we're loving everyone well, is that really, you know, it's, it's picking and choosing and you can't do that. Or you find the people who, um, some of the Bible's real to them, right? Like they believe Jesus is Jesus and they believe he rose from the dead. But they have, Daniel spoke about this last week that I, I've called him on this years ago is that Genesis isn't real. Well, how, how can you believe that the resurrection is real and yet you can't believe that Genesis is real? But even greater than that, I think here's where I find fault with it is when your life gets shaken, when hardships come to you and you don't know the truth and you don't have a firm foundation in that truth, it's really easy to be shaken. It's really easy to find yourself lost, to find yourself on a path that isn't where you started. And I think the, the thing about it is it's a gradual thing. It's not just all of a sudden you're A to Z. It's you make this decision, right? Well, I don't know if I agree with that. And you, here's the straight and narrow, and you've taken one step off of it. You know, you've, you've angled yourself this way. And as time goes on, those paths, right, get further and further and further apart. And you've let the enemy in with that tiny little foothold, with that tiny little opening. He's able now to come in and breathe doubt into many things in what the Bible says. And into the truth of that. I think we did this in culture. My dad and I were talking last night driving home from the Rockies and there was an accident. So we just sat in traffic and we just talked. And, you know, he's quite a bit older than me. And so he was talking about when he was growing up, right? And the culture that he grew up in versus what it is now. And it was little decisions that our culture made to step away from Christianity. Well, we don't really need that. And look at where it's led us. That slippery slope of, well, maybe we don't need that part of the Bible. Maybe we don't need this part of it. Well, maybe we don't have to preach on that. And it slowly has taken us further and further and further away from the gospel of truth. And this is part of the core foundation of what we have to hold to as Christians is this idea of truth. Not knowledge, but truth. Holding on to what that is and to what God tells us it is. John 8 tells us, abide in my what is it? His word. Abide in my word. Well, what is his word? It's the Bible. Abide in my word because you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It doesn't say you will know love and it will set you free. It doesn't say you will know kindness and it will set you free. It says you will know the truth. You will know the truth. And that's the thing that sets us all free. That's the thing that leads us to a life of freedom is knowing truth, but not just knowing it, walking in the truth. Living in the truth. Dwelling in the truth. Being a part of that truth. So the Bible is truth. The second one, if you're taking notes, is not all knowledge is truth. And I think this one's hard, maybe not for everyone sitting in this room, but I think for the outer skirt Christians, for those on the fence, I think this one is really hard. That not all knowledge is truth. 2 Timothy 3, 7, back to that scripture, always learning yet never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Not all knowledge is truth. And here's how I know that. I can turn on CNN and I can turn on Fox and they can have the exact same story with completely different ideas and thoughts on it, Right? I mean, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. You know, you can nowadays, because everything is at your fingertips, you can find, you can make an idea or an opinion abortion, okay? You can look up abortion online, and you can find it right or wrong depending on what you Google. And you can find information on that thing. You can find facts on that thing. There is, all in this age and in this generation, there is this constant barrage of information being thrown at you, being, being, this is what truth is. This is what you should think. This is how you should feel. This is what it is, right? And it's so easy to get wrapped into this. It's so easy to find yourself, you know, COVID was a perfect example of this. You were team mask or you were team, like, that's it. Like, we're throwing our masks away, okay? There was two parties and it was amazing. Like, there were... you could found facts on both, right? Masks help you do this, 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 and this. Masks don't help you do this, 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 and this. And you're just constantly going, what is going on? What do I believe? You know, for I think most people in that time, at least for me, I'm a rule follower, so I'm I'm not gonna ruffle feathers. I don't want attention on me. But I think for most of us, the idea isn't, I have an opinion and I'm gonna die on this hill. It's, I just wanna know what is really true. I just want to know what is really real. Can someone just tell me, without having it be skewed, without having your opinion or your political agenda be in it, can someone just tell me what's going on? Not all knowledge is truth. Which is why Jesus knew we were going to be living in this time and living in this age. And he said, hold on to your Bible, hold on to the truth. Just as Janice and Jambres opposed Moses, so do these people oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and worthless concerning the faith. Who are these two guys that they are randomly pointing out? They, right, they say, it says they opposed Moses. Okay, so if you go back to the Old Testament, these two, this is what I find so amazing about the Bible. I mean, it really is incredible, and it's so rich, filled with information that is true. That is real. That is poignant for all of us. And so these two men were magicians. They were not Christ or God followers. They, they opposed Moses, right? Moses throws down the snake. And these two men are the two that make their own snakes. And yet his snake eats theirs. But I think the thing that it's pointing out is there's this opposition against you. And sometimes... It's really easy, culture goes, oh yeah, that's your truth, look at what we have. And it's hard sometimes to argue this, it's hard sometimes to go, well, the, well you know, this, it, it looks, it likes to replicate. The Bible tells us the enemy walks around prowling, looking like a lion, but he isn't really a lion, But he's constantly trying to convince you, I'm a God, I'm a king. These things are what you should be following. These things are what you should be holding on to. And it's constantly trying to deceive you into believing this really is the truth. This really is the thing you should be holding on to. And that's what these two men did, right? They were trying to make a replica of the real thing. We don't really need to follow God. He really isn't the only God. Look at, we can also do this thing. This is what information, you know, information sometimes becomes such a God to us. We don't need God because we have our own information. We can depend on ourselves. So these two men, I like to, when I go and when I study out the Bible, I really like to understand what are, what are these names, right? In Hebrew, in that Jewish culture, names matter. Names meant something, and every name had a specific meaning behind it. And so I was looking up, just because these are really, we don't use these names, and I just, I was curious, what do what these names mean? And so Janus means gift from God. And I read that and I was like, oh, that doesn't fit my message. (laughs) Never mind, right? The pick and choose thing. (laughs) But here's what Jamborees means. Rebellious, poverty stricken, and bitter. I felt like the Lord showed me this. Knowledge and the ability to learn is a real gift from God, is it not? We're the only creatures he placed on this earth that can read, that can adapt like we can, that can understand. I find the brain so fascinating. You are a limitless computer. You don't need a new storage. You don't need a new backup. You are a limitless computer and you can learn all the things you wanna learn. And God has given you that ability. That's not from the enemy, that's from the Lord himself. He has given us the gift to learn. He has given us the gift to understand, to think things out, to study them out, to know the Bible, to know anything you wanna know. The ability that we have, I'm, I no I'm not a brain surgeon, but the people who are, right, the incredible gift Of being able, I mean, really think about that. That we can open up someone's brain and find things and help people. Or surgeons. Or all these people that have these incredible capability of learning and the gift of knowledge. But hear this. When you do not pair knowledge with the truth of God and with the truth... It becomes bitter. It becomes impoverished. Right? You become lost. These two things have to work together. These two things, you cannot have knowledge and think you'll be fine without the truth. Think of the most brilliant people that have ever walked the, the earth. I think of Stephen Hawking, Right? That man, when I see interviews of him, comes across so bitter and so lost and so hopeless. And yet he had this incredible wisdom and this incredible brain and this incredible thing. Not all knowledge is this blessing if it's not paired with the truth. It makes you bitter. You don't find life in it. It leads you to death without truth. To loss, you feel more confused, not less confused. And I think the thing is, we're, we, it's okay to learn. I, it, that's not a bad thing. It's okay to want to understand. It's okay to want to have these feelings. It's okay to seek things out. But you must have the solid foundation of truth with that thing. You must be able to hold those things together, that they go hand in hand and go in agreement with one another. Because not all knowledge is truth. You know, my son, he is seven, and my second son is five. And so they, thanks to their father, love Mario. It's like, love Mario and Luigi. And Ezra is Mario and he loves red and Milo is Luigi and he loves green. And the, these two I think they actually think they're Mario and Luigi. To the point that last year I had to ban them pl- not the, just the game. I mean they played it real life. So they played the games. Incredibly good at. They've played every Mario game known to man. But then they just started being these characters. Like I had Mario and Luigi as sons. It's a Luigi all the time. All the time. Like they knew every fact. They were like, who do you think would win in a fight? Birdo or, uh, oh gosh, what's it? Bowser? They, like literally every bad character. They, <laughs> they love Mario so much, they know every song to every level of every game. I'm not exaggerating. That's what they asked me to play in the car. I'm like, No. No. So last summer I find I just like flipped. I was like, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. There's no more Mario in this house. It is banned. We're not allowed to talk about Mario. We cannot think about Mario. You cannot wear your red shirt anymore. You cannot wear your red Mario hat anymore. Milo, you have to talk like a normal person. You have forgotten what your voice is. He did. He forgot how to talk like a normal child because all he did was talk like Luigi. Like this became their truth and they weren't living in reality. And they had every knowledge, every fact, every knowledge of what Mario and Luigi were. And yet, is it reality? Is that truth? That they're really real? No. And I only bring it up to highlight Sometimes we think just because we know a bunch about something and we have all these statistics and all these facts memorized. If it is not lining up with the truth of God, it doesn't make it real. And just like my kids, we so quickly can fall into this trap that the enemy has set before us. And what do we do in that moment? Do you bow up? you say, I, this is my, this is my God? Or do you humble yourself? I think pride and knowledge go so well together, don't they? The smartest people I know are often the most prideful people I know, prideful people. But The Bible tells us pride comes before the fall. Truth lasts, Proverbs tells us truth lasts a lifetime and a lie is but fleeting. Like the lie has its moment. I mean, we can look back in history all the time and we can go, oh, my gosh, how did they get there? I look at Germany in World War II and you go, how? There was this lie that entered in. And, you know, I think the thing is that we have to recognize maybe not everyone believed this lie, but they allowed the lie to grow. You hear that? They were bystanders to the lie. We're not called to be bystanders. So maybe you do know the truth. Are you living in the truth? Are you speaking in the truth? Are you setting the example of truth? The third point is this. Jesus is truth. And if you can't hold on or hear anything else in this message, may you hold on to the truth that he is the only truth. John fourteen six, Jesus tells us this. Hear this. I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, Jesus could have said a lot of things, right? There's a lot of ways that he could have described himself. He could have said, I am the love. I am the faith, I am the hope, and he is all those things. But he's speaking right now, and the three things that he's pointing out I think are really important, especially when Jesus is talking. Why is he telling us this? Why are these the three words? We should ask these questions. Why are these the words that he gives us? I'm the way, the way to what? The way to truth, church. And that truth is the only thing that can lead us to life. They are one after another. You have to follow in his ways and follow what he's calling and follow what he's doing and have hope and faith in that because it will lead you to truth. And truth will always lead you to life. Truth leads us to the path of life and to the path of of knowing Jesus and coming to the Father. Our only way to real truth is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way to find it. There is no other way, hear that, there is no other way to find the truth without Jesus. Apart from him, there is no truth. He is the only truth. Romans 1.25 says this. If you have time, I encourage you to go back and read all of chapter 1 in Romans. It's a hard hitter but it's good and it's rich. But Romans 1.25 says this, they traded the truth of God for a lie. I was reading that this week and I just, gosh, it brought me to tears thinking, these aren't just unbelievers. These are people This. If this is true, what, the, what Romans is telling us, what Paul is saying right here is they traded the truth, knowing the truth. And they traded it. They gave it up. And i was thinking about our world right now. i was thinking about our country right now. And I was just, my gosh, have we not traded the truth for a lie? Are there not people? I just, you just want to shake them. Like that girl in that interview. Well, if, I, if you don't believe I'm he- here, I'm not here. You're okay with that? You're okay with someone saying your existence doesn't matter? Your life doesn't matter? Like you would rather believe in that lie than to fight for the idea that you were chosen and that you were wanted and that you are here and you have a purpose in this life? We've given this up and we've said, God, you make mistakes. But he is perfect. And if he is perfect, he cannot make mistakes, church. And we must live in that. And we must fight for that. And we must fight for this generation that's coming up. And we must say, no, God is perfect. And his way is truth. And it is the only truth that matters. And sometimes I think we're so afraid of offending people, right? We don't want to hurt their feelings, and I get it, and I hear you. I don't want to hurt people's feelings, but I also don't want someone to spend the rest of their life living in a lie when I have the truth that can set them free. We must be bold about what we know. If you know the truth, you must be living in that truth. You must be speaking that truth out. Because then it goes on to say they traded the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator. This is what they do, right? Moses goes up to the mountain, same thing. It's the same thing over, no, it's the over. It's the same lie that the enemy loves to use. He is not enough for you. He has forsaken you. So give up the truth you know for the lie because in this moment, it will satisfy The lie for right now satisfies, it, it numbs the thing that you're working through, or the thing that's hard to understand. But as I was, as I was preparing this message, I felt like God re- asked me and the church, do you trust God without understanding him? Moses goes up to that mountain, and within five minutes, all chaos has broken out with the Israelites. And these are people, church, who have seen the miraculous. We sang that there was, there is another in the fire, right? You're the one holding back the seas. These are the people who have watched God hold back the sea, who have watched them have watched him, set them free, have done the miraculous, have done everything that he promised to fulfill. He has done. And there is a minute that it's quiet and they're like, you've abandoned us. Nothing is true. Nothing is real. We give it all up for a momentary satisfaction, for a momentary numbing of the thing that we're afraid of. But real Christians, people who know real truth, know that there are hardships. That there is a shaking. But you must hold so tight to the truth of who Jesus is. That he is faithful. That he is good. That he does fulfill his promises. In Hebrew... I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I really love to look up things in Hebrew and what they mean. So truth in Hebrew is the word emet. And as I was studying this, the Hebrew writing of it, listen to this. This is, this is how you know the Bible is so good and it's so real. And you can take it for what it really says. The Hebrew writing of it takes the first letter, so they go right To left okay it takes the first letter the middle letter and the last letter of the alphabet to write this word amet it's the the, those three symbols spell out the word amet the first letter the middle letter and the last letter what does that remind you of Truth is the beginning, the middle, and the end. That is our Jesus. The truth that was yesterday is true today, and it will be true tomorrow. That is what we hold on to, this idea of a met. And here's the amazing thing, okay? It gets even crazier. You take off that first letter, that right-hand one, the first one, aleph, is what that that symbol is. It's called the aleph, which represents the divinity, the wholeness, the oneness, the the all-knowing God is the Aleph idea. You take that away and you're left with these two, the middle and the end letters. Okay? And those mean that with the, it now spells out the word death. Without the Aleph, without our God in our search for truth, in our search for knowledge, it leads to death. So I want to close jumping back to 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is inspired by God and useful. For what? For teaching, for reproof, for restoration, and for training in righteousness. So that the person belonging to God may be capable, fully equipped for every good deed I was I, I was asking God what do you do with a message like this it's great information to have it's good to know and I just wrestle I was wrestling through that and I <laughs> truth isn't just to know and here I want to unwrap when i was studying out that word amet and that idea of truth i came across this studying and this understanding and it's deep and there's a lot to it but stay with me for a second and i'll help unpack this the sages sometimes say the seal of god is truth since the final letters of the three words that conclude the account of creation is bara elohim La Asat. god created to do Genesis 2 3 and they spell out the word amet in other words God created reality to do laasat which has come to be interpreted by the sages as meaning hear this that it is our responsibility as God's creatures to complete the doing the doing of his creation Truth is about doing. Truth is about doing and not about being. Note that the seal of God is not just a matter of sincerity. It is rather a matter of being true in the sense that you are living it, church. You are being with it. You are a part of it. You exist inside the truth as a passion And that this truth informs all of the decisions you make in life. That when you have this truth and when you hold on to this truth, it is the thing that should guide you and should be that light that leads you to the next thing and that leads you to the next place. This truth that you have is the thing you should be holding on to. You should not be making decisions apart from the truth that has been placed inside of you. You therefore embody the truth and follow it in all your endeavors. In this sense, Yeshua the Mashiach is the truth. Since in him there was no mismatch between who he is and what he said. The way he lived and what he did was the truth of who he was and what he believed and what he knew. He is utterly trustworthy. His actions and speech are one and are entirely reliable. Jesus is the seal of God, the one who authoritatively names of all creation and his followers, that's us, that's sitting in this room, likewise should evidence this in their lives. So then that 2 Timothy has so much more context for us that all scripture is inspired by God and useful not to know, not to understand, it's useful to do, it's useful for teaching, it's useful for, rep, for, um, for correcting, it's useful for restoration, it is useful for doing. That you as a Christian should be living your life out fully equipped for every good deed. Your call in this life is not just to know Jesus, your call is to also live out that truth, to bring as many people into the truth. And as you do that, you do look different. And it is hard sometimes, and it is scary sometimes, but we should be living out the truth, living in the thing that we know. Bringing people into the freedom that he has for us. Don't let this message just pass you by. Don't let this thing just be like, that was a really good message. It's wonderful when I hear that and I appreciate that so much. The thing I love more than hearing that was a good message is that impacted my life. The words that Jesus spoke to us are impactful, are powerful, are meant to change us, are meant to to pull us toward the next thing, to lead us in action and not just being, but doing. So would you bow your heads with me? God, I just pray right now for a boldness for your church And for your people. God that you would reveal truth right now. And if there's lies that people are believing. And if there's lies that people have set up in their life. God I pray you would reveal the truth. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. May you be free this morning church. May you walk in the authority and in the freedom that God has placed on you. May you lay down your heavy burden of, I have to hold on to this because I've held on to it for so long. No, may you come to him with humility, knowing that he is the truth and what he has for you is light and it's good. God, may we be a people that do and not just be. May we go out and may we live this. May we live in your truth. May we live out your truth, Jesus. I just thank you for that, God. I worship you. I trust you. And we celebrate, God, all your goodness in this place. In your name, amen.